Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Rev. Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I am Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Mark Quanstrom. And we're continuing the conversation with Dr. Beth Felker-Jones. Yes, we are. We have had incredible conversation on our last episode about the ways that theology informs practice, which then led to conversations about the experienced reality of the Holy Spirit, that, that the ways that we pray reveals a lot about the Trinity, that, that the Trinity is both corporate and personal which is why we then practice corporate prayer and we practice personal prayer as well, individual. We pray alone and that's important. And remembering and clinging to that reality that the Spirit is with us, within us, speaking to us is personal. And now we want to continue the conversation again on incarnation and in particular the humanity of Jesus, which is such an important conversation. And one of the things I want to drill down with you, Beth, is just exactly how human was Jesus? It's such a good question. And it's a it's one that I think every Christian asks, every age of the church has asked. I think in the last episode, I said doctrine mattering for practice and vice versa was my favorite thing, but I have to take it back. Really, the human Jesus is my favorite thing. So, okay. So how human is Jesus? Uh, Jesus is your favorite thing? <laughs> it's true. It's Correct true. answer. <laughs> Next question. Okay. I think I we're really good love here. Him. I think, you know, the doctrine of the incarnation, the union of the divine and human in the person of Jesus it's the heart of the Christian faith. It's the beauty of the Christian faith. It's the the glory of the gospel. And it's good news for all of us. Jesus is, is fully and truly human. That is the Jesus we meet in scripture and the formal way that theology articulates what we should say about the Jesus we meet in scripture. He is fully human. And he's not just fully human. He's fully human in ways that attach to our real humanity, mm -hmm. our full humanity, so that we're united with him in every aspect of our human being, body, mind, soul, reason, guts, toes, right? Jesus Jesus has whatever it is that makes us human, all the parts. And I think it's always hard to believe because we know he's Jesus. We know he's the son of God. We can't imagine how the son of God could come into the mess that we know is humanity. But Scripture testifies to the goodness of the fact that he did, right? We don't fully understand it, but we can trust him on it and embrace the miracle of his true, with us and for us, human being. So did Jesus have to learn? Was, was, isn't Jesus omniscient? Yeah, great questions. There isn't a settled orthodox answer to this question. That is, there are different possible interpretations. But I have trouble getting around the pretty clear biblical testimony. He grew in wisdom and stature right, right. and in favor with God and, and with humans. I imagine that part of what it means to be truly human is to develop in a normally human way, to grow, to grow in wisdom. And so it seems to me that we probably want to say that about Jesus too. 
we don't have full access to what was going on in his mind all the time, right? But he also gives us moments where he lets us know about things he doesn't know, right? Only the father knows. Correct. X. And that too suggests that he's entered into the fullness of our condition of human finite reason, right? He is God and he's not too good to take on a finite mind. So he had to learn to walk. He had to learn to read. He had to learn to talk. Somebody taught him the scriptures. He had to learn the scriptures. He wrote the scriptures. He didn't have to learn the scriptures. He wrote them. Both and. (laughs) It's pretty great. Did he have to learn what it means to be Messiah? Yeah. Ooh. It's a really good question, too. But again, my instinct is that all human beings have to learn what it means to do what God has for us. And I think there's some some biblical evidence for that, too. Of course, there's mystery, right? We wouldn't want to overclaim to understanding of the process. But we certainly see his his agony, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. his tornness about what he is called to do. And we could call that what it means to be Messiah. Mm-hmm. His tornness between dying and very humanly and, and rightly not wanting to die, right? It's, it's a good thing to not want to die as a human because life is good. But he can die, he does die because there's something more important too. Right. And because resurrection is the final word. Well, uh, when Terabeth asked the question and you answered it, I, I was reminded of the verse in Hebrews that is a little bothersome to some. He learned perfection by what he suffered. And that speaks of growing awareness. That speaks of growing in wisdom and stature. I don't know that we want to think that Jesus needed to learn perfection by what he suffered, but that's what the text The Bible says so, right? Hebrews has some mysterious, hard to interpret things going on. But one thing it does for sure is push us to say, Jesus is really and truly human for us, right? And that includes him sharing in our experiences, right? He's been tempted in every way as we are, but without sin. It's really pushing hard on what we could call the doctrine of the humanity of Jesus if we wanted to use that kind of language. So if he was tempted, because I want to pause at something that you just said, and, you know, we had a conversation about this before we started. If he was tempted in every way, does that mean Jesus could have sinned? Right. Can I kind of go backwards to get to your question? Yes. So one of the tricky things about understanding human nature is that in all of our experiences, human nature equals sinful nature, right? Mm. Being bound to sin, being trapped in sin in all kinds of ways, body, mind, soul, spirit, etc. But that, of course, is not the whole and only truth about being human. There's a before that, right? The goodness of creation Mm -hmm. before the fall. There's an after that. We as Christians who are being redeemed in Christ are already entering into the after sin. We're already right now experiencing mm-hmm. some of what it means to yeah. to become a new kind of human. And there's a all the way after that, right, when we get to the end, right, and to the full and final victory of Jesus over, over sin and death. So where does he fit in all that, right? Is he stuck here with us in the sin nature part? Mm-hmm. I think, yes, because he's entered into our condition fully. He is tempted. He wants things that the Father doesn't want, right? Not my will, but yours. Be 
done. And also he's subject to the effects of sin, right? In other ways, he can die, right? If you're not in sin, you you can't die, I think. I'll say that. But it's also true, right, that he's inviting us into the after, the after sin. And he is that after in real ways in his whole human life, in his perfect relationship to the Father in the Spirit, his perfect, because he's God, human relationship with the Father and the Spirit, a relationship that can be ours and, and will be ours because we're united to him. Did that answer? Y- it did. It did. Yes. It, so it is his humanity that calls us to him by virtue of his humanity that gives us the possibility of being with the holy God. So this Jesus as fully human and fully divine is crucial to our salvation. Ah, the incarnation is a bridge, right? A bridge between God and human. And Jesus is that bridge because he is both. It's a kind of old metaphor, but a good Mm -hmm. one. And it describes the reality of his entering into our condition while at the same time being truly and really God. So I want to press, because I think we're, as I said before, I think we're inclined to consider his humanity theoretically, but not actually. I want to just ask a couple questions about Jesus, if that's all right. All right, I'll try to answer him. Did he ever? Yeah. Well, you said Jesus was the thing, so you you would know these answers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm trying to get him know, get to know him better all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> was he ever frustrated? It seems pretty clear. Yep, mm-hmm. he was pretty frustrated. Mm-hmm. At what, at what, 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 what was an occasion of his frustration? People selling things in the Ooh, temple. That's kind of frustrating. Pretty frustrated. Seems like his friends going to sleep while he's busy agonizing over dying is pretty. Frustrating. That's a disappointment. Seems- yeah, a sense of betrayal on the part of his closest friends. A sense of aloneness, right? Oh, Why am he... I so alone here? I think when Peter denies the reality that Jesus would have to suffer. Oh, that, that was he, pretty, was quite he was quite frustrated. He was quite frustrated. Behind me, I Satan. Don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how you'd define that. Mm-hmm. Did, was, what, did he ever, he was lonely? I think we can read his, his why aren't you staying up for me as a kind of loneliness. He uh, needed uh, his disciples. Yeah. He needed the companionship of his disciples that at that moment. That's part of what it means to be human, I think. And he relies on good friends throughout his life, not just his disciples, but other good friends. Right? Mary and Martha and Lazarus are his, his friends. Jesus has friends. That's, that's huge. Well, obviously, did he weep? Yeah, the answer is mm-hmm. yes. Tears, check. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tears, check. Um, mm-hmm. what, did, he, did he laugh? I hope so. I don't think we have clear record. We don't. But, but I... I'm willing to name laughter as essential to being human, or at least typical of being human. <laughs> and I, I think sometimes we miss maybe, I, I don't know if, he, if sarcasm is the right word, but he, he was willing to prod his interrogators. And he was, he was, I think he had a wry sense of humor that we sometimes miss mm-hmm. in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I like when he says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. And I think he knows perfectly well that he's God. Right? So it's a joke. <laughs> It is. I think so. Or a pushing at the admission that's already being made about who he is. Did he ever get the flu? Seems likely if the flu was part of the viral array of the ancient world. Probably was, right? We have a hard time imagining Jesus (laughs) sick, don't we? I have a hard time imagining him have a cold. 
oh, did he ever have a cold? And yeah. Did he, and so he talked like he had a cold. Yeah. If he can die on a cross, I imagine he can have a cold. And that's part of what I think it means, that he enters into the the sinful place where we are. He's mm-hmm. without sin, but mm-hmm. he's right here with us in sin, feeling its effects, whether it's the effect of a cold or a nail or a betrayal. The, the cry on the cross is kind of scary. My God, my God, why have you forsaken mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Was that was that real? Was that true? That's Psalm 22, I believe he was quoting. Maybe he was quoting Psalm 22 because Psalm 22 has a resolution at the end of confident trust. It does. It does. Yeah. However. And I like that interpretation, but I also wonder if you're remembering the confident trust of Psalm 22 when you're in agony. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm inclined to think that he really was sensing a God-forsakenness in that moment. Yes. He feels it, I think. It's not the fact that God, the Father has forsaken him. That's not possible, right? The Father is his Father no matter what. But because he's here in our world of sin, feeling its effects in every part of his agony, it feels like it. That's... I think that's a way to say what it means to die is is to feel forsaken, God, which gives permission. There we go. Yeah, for yeah. the the pastor, for the Christian, to ask those things of God, mm-hmm. right. to question God, to have feeling that that if if we feel forsaken by God, it does not make us a weak while well, we are weak. But it does not make, it does not mean our faith isn't valid. Yeah, same with the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Permission to say, God, I really want this thing that maybe you don't want. Mm-hmm. I really want it. Jesus felt that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the salvation. F- in Jesus' humanity is it gives us permission to be human like Jesus was Mm -hmm. so that we don't have to live this kind of stoic ethic where we are not impacted by the events of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, Where it's like sometimes I think we believe the Christian ethic is to be apathetic without passion rising above the vicissitudes of life, kind of above it all. But if Jesus is the revelation of what it means to be human as well as what it means to be God, then his incarnation gives us permission to be fully human in those ways as well. That is questioning, wrestling, despairing. Absolutely. And that's Part of why we call the cross the passion. He's he's in the midst of our passions, right? Our our hurt, our joy, too, all of it. To go back to Hebrews, maybe the most comforting moment in Scripture to me. We don't have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, mm. but one who's been made like us in every way. And it's hard to believe, uh, but we're invited to to trust that promise made like us in every way and so able to sympathize it lets us know right the incarnation lets us know not just that jesus is with us but jesus the father and the spirit are with us because he's one with them so jesus said i've come that you might have life and have it to the full Mm. says jesus 
And in my, my life, my interpretation of that verse has been a rather hedonistic or Epicurean or health and wealth gospel interpretation. Mm-hmm. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full means all of my prayers get answered, no sorrow, <laughs> no heartache. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full means kind of a Disneyland experience of life. Since I have been human for as long as I have been and pastor for as long as I've been, I'm thinking that that verse is, I have come that you might experience life in all its fullness, mm-hmm. including the sorrow, the grief, the despair, that what the Lord wants from us is to live life fully in every aspect of its fullness, if Jesus as human is the model. And to assure us that the Lord is with us in every aspect of Correct. that fullness, that we're not alone, but that that God is with us. Ultimately, I think life in its fullness points to the resurrection sure it does. right, and, and everlasting life, but that's not to be cut off from life here and now in which Jesus is with us in every part of it. It doesn't mean God wants us to suffer. God God wants good for us. Right. But it does mean that when we suffer, we trust in his final victory over suffering, sin, evil, and death, and that we know he is with us. But some of the most beautiful aspects of Christ's ministry was his, his empathy, his identification with mm-hmm. his people, that he did not refrain from experiencing. Mm-hmm. He went to where Martha and Mary were, not just in location, but he went where they were in their hearts, in their mm-hmm. weeping. And that's some of the most beautiful revelations of our God, a mm-hmm. God who condescends to be with us even in those moments. Mm-hmm. It's a popular Bible verse, Jesus wept, right, for its its shortness, easy to memorize, but it should be even more popular for its, its goodness in mm-hmm. saying right. what you just said. Yeah. And I think, again, thinking about practice, in our last episode, Mark, you talked about visitation, going to where the people are in Mm. their hurts and their pains, in their places, in their sickness and in their health. That idea of the empathy of Jesus that drives him Mm. to go and stand before the tomb and weep, to stand there with Martha and Mary and hold that. I mean, he held space. For them, I mean, they he did. they were rattled mm-hmm. when he got there. They were, if you had just come sooner, what took you so long? Right. And he held that space with them, which is what we ought to be doing as Christians. Mm-hmm. That we should allow that empathy, that 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 passion, that compassion to propel us to the spaces where people are hurting and hold space in their questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where, why aren't you here? Where have you been? And for us to not, I mean, Jesus doesn't get defensive there. He doesn't. He, doesn't get he receives it. He holds it. Mm-hmm. He holds it. So he holds us in our space then too, mm-hmm. right? That we can go to him. I mean, there's nowhere that we will ever be that he wasn't there first. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the power of, the condescension of God in humanity, right? right? So this last week I had had a real life example mm. of the power of incarnation to heal. Mm. I was visiting a very old old gentleman in the hospital who was suffering from kidney failure. He's in the hospital and he is lamenting the fact that it that he may be 
he may be exiting this world in the space of three days. And he intellectually robust, active. You would never guess he was as old as he was by the way he the way he has lived his life. Mm -hmm. And he now finds himself facing his mortality. And I visited him in the hospital. I went because we weren't sure how long he would be with us. And he lamented thinking about his body as much as he was. Mm -hmm. He said, I am so aggravated with myself because all I can think about are my kidneys failing and my temperature and the blood work they're doing. I'm just preoccupied with my body. And I should not be that way this at this point in, in on my life facing death. He's, of course, in a hospital. Mm-hmm. They're poking him eight times a night. Mm-hmm. His kidneys are failing, were failing at the time. His comment was, I can't help but think of my body. I said, it's inevitable that you'll be thinking about your body right now. You cannot help but think about your body because of what is going on in your body. Mm-hmm. And for the record, Christ on the cross thought about his body because one of the seven things Jesus said was, I thirst. Hmm. And he was consoled knowing that his Savior also was preoccupied with the physical part of his dying. Mm -hmm. Consoled. That's a good word for, for what it means to try to accept the truth that Jesus has become human force. And I think we can also say Jesus was thinking about his body, not his Jesus's body, his, your congregant's body, right? Jesus loves his kidneys, cares about his kidneys. And part of the way we know that is the fact that Jesus has kidneys. Yeah. And I've you never know, thought about Jesus's kidneys before. Thanks. Right? I yeah. don't think I have he ever heard his that. Kidneys. <laughs> and I think that's so important because we have such messed up relationships with our bodies. So bad. I mean, just profoundly messed up. And, you know, I'm prone to say that it's just Christians, but I think culture has pretty messed up relationships with their bodies and Christians Deep in, in a Western very culture, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Christians in a very particular way, there's there's a Gnosticism about there us is. and the ways that we we, you know, we don't want to, we, we feel unholy. If I'm thinking about my body, well, I'm not holy. I should be considering more spiritual matters. Correct. But Jesus loves your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, is really important for me as a, as a 40, almost 41 year old mom mm-hmm. whose body is, is changing. Mm-hmm. I've had children and I'm surrounded by, in one end, you know, a culture that is glamorizing, you know, just this this very particular vision of, of how a woman's body ought to look. And then on the other end, an evangelical culture that has formed me to think that I should feel shame mm-hmm. for my body. Mm-hmm. And how freeing it is to think, Jesus loves my body as yep. it is. Mm-hmm. It's something I need to tell myself often. Yes. Yeah. So the incarnation of our Lord is liberating in so many ways. It it speaks of our God who is with us, Emmanuel. It speaks of a God who is present to us at every every age. God was three years old. God was three years old. God mm-hmm. was seven years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we can, we don't have time to talk about the implications on children's ministry 
the fact that God was three and seven and twelve. But it is so it is liberating in so many ways because it does, in a sense, sanctify our humanness. Mm-hmm. In a sense, sanctify it sanctifies our humanness. Mm-hmm. Can we say that? Or it lets us know that it was already sanctified because That's God better. made it and loves it. We were tempted to believe otherwise because I don't know, Gnosticism, Western culture, sin, shame, scapegoating. Mm-hmm. But but no. God made us and loves us. Body, mind, soul, spirit, body. And the purpose for this conversation about incarnation was simply to remind pastors that the Lord is with you, Mm. with us, Mm -hmm. in all that we're doing. Mm -hmm. In all that it means to be human. Finitude. 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 Tiredness. Feeling alone. Mm-hmm. Aggravated. Yeah. Frustrated. Questioning God. And celebratory. Mm-hmm. Sharing dinner with friends. Around a mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Having trouble falling asleep. Did Jesus ever have trouble falling asleep? Mm, did he ever have, yeah. Did, did he ever wake up in the middle of the night and he couldn't go back to bed? <laughs> did he ever have trouble staying awake while praying all night? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how you did that. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Beth, for being a part of this conversation. You're going to be a repeated guest, mm-hmm. guest co-host. She is one of us at the table. A theologian in residence. Her perspective is so enriching. Mm-hmm. And Tara Beth's not the only one who feels a little intimidated mm-hmm. by sitting at the table <laughs> with Beth Felker-Jones. We hope this has been helpful to you. Subscribe uh, to the podcast. Share it with friends if you think it would be helpful. We want you to be a part of the conversation. Please email us. We read everyone. We are going to try to answer everyone. And until then... May God bless you in the gift of ministry, and may God provide you the grace to keep going another day.